32. And for those that are new to FBCO, um, for the last 10 years, at the beginning of every year, we have asked all members of our faith family to seek the Lord and ask the Lord to give you a word for the year. That is one word anchored in the word of God that will become your prayer for the new year. And in the past 10 years, I, we have heard so many or some pretty cool stories of how God used the word of the year to prepare people for things and even to see some awesome things accomplished that were not expected and yet God prepared. And every year as I seek the Lord for a word for me, it's not just a, a word for me personally. It's a word that I pray over my family. It's a word that I pray over um, this faith family. And this word is not just for me. And if you think about it, any word that God gives us is not just meant for us. Every word that God gives us is also meant for others. Meaning if God gives me a word and I walk in obedience, it won't just affect me. It's going to affect others around me. So when God gives us this word, it's for others as well. And so I want to encourage all of us to seek the Lord this year, to ask the Lord to give you a word for this year, a word that comes from the word of God. And if God does, we want to encourage you to come up here to my left and your right, to take a card and a pen that we have to write that word along with a verse and um, put it on the board. If you're struggling, I had a couple people come up and say, I'm struggling with a verse. I have kind of a word, um, and I'm kind of praying them through and give them some few, a few verses to kind of pray over, and I will gladly do that as well. But I want to encourage you to be a part of, of this journey and see what God does. And over the last five years, God has given me some of the, the following words. In 2018, the word was more. Came from the, the promise of God that He wants to do abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. In 2019, my word was dependence, um, focused on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 trust in the Lord. Namely, do not depend or lean on my understanding, but in all of my ways acknowledge and depend on Him, and He will make my path straight. In 2020, my word was vision. And of course, my joke is I never saw any of that coming um, at all. But if I t step back for a second, and look back at 2020 and vision, it was in 2020 that God gave us the vision that our church is currently pursuing. God gave us the vision of partnering with University Christian School and um, having a part of their elementary campus on our campus. And Lord willing, as of August, that is going to happen. And um, we praise God for the rezoning signs that are now up. That is only 14 months in the process to get us there. And so we pray that the rest of the next steps will happen a little quicker than, than that. But we praise God for that. In 2021, my word was worthy. And the picture of we are called to walk worthy of the gospel. But the word worthy basically means balance. So there, there must be a balance between what I know of the word of God and what I obey of the word of God. And walking in that balance. And then last year, my word was actually a phrase. Um, now to him that appears three times in the New Testament, now to him that is able to strengthen me, now to him who is able to do more, now to him who is able to keep me from stumbling. And of course, last year I did get a lot of grief from my brothers and my discipleship group, mainly Pastor Jordan, who said, it's not fair, you're cheating, you're just making up the rules as you go along. You said word for the year, not words for um, the year. So I got a little grief. Well, this year my word is actually a made-up word. So I'm sure more grief is on the way. I can just imagine it is, it is coming. And the word that God gave me this year was the word impossible. And it was actually a word given to me last June based on a conversation I was having with my cousin David, who is also in the ministry. And so I was talking with him, and I was telling him about all that God was doing 
in the life of our church and what God was leading us into and the journey that we are now on, the steps that we are taking. And David listened and he listened, and then he said this. He says, well, it sounds like God has Ocean Way in a impossible situation. And I was like, um, please explain. You know, pl please, please go on. And he says this. He said, meaning God has put you, Ocean Way, in a situation where you have the opportunity to see what is possible with God. God has put you in a situation for you to see what is really possible with him. That there are times in our lives, brothers and sisters, where God will literally, actually call us to do things that we cannot do on our own so that he will receive the glory for it. There have been so many things and in, in areas in my life where I have seen that. One of the biggest, of course, and you, you guys were a part, was in 2014, God called our family to adopt. And we knew God was calling us to adopt. We knew God was calling us to adopt from India. And we began to do the research, and we realized it was way more than we were able to do. And we said, God, if we do this, you're going to have to provide because we can't. Like, we just can't. And every step of the way, whenever there was a big thing due, God provided every step of the way. And God showed us that his callings are an opportunity for him, us to step out on faith and us to see his provision in it. And it was a beautiful thing to walk through and to see. And the, the point is this for, for all of us is that whatever God is up to, God is never lacking in results. God is never lacking in results in your life or my life. How many of you have ever heard of the phrase, the plausible impossible? Anybody? So a few of you. Um, if you are an animation fan or especially a Disney fan, you might have heard of that phrase. Uh, Walt Disney used the phrase plausible impossible to describe the physics of animation, meaning that you can take what's impossible in real life, for example, a talking mouse, and in the world of animation, that talking mouse can come to life. And, of course, many of our children get lost in the world of animation. And, of course, we say within limits. Um, it is a beneficial thing within limits because it helps increase and, and, and helps them to use their imagination. Even teenagers and still adults can enter this world through TV, through books, through video games, where we escape sometimes into a make-believe world. Yet let me just break some bad news to us. We can't live in that make-believe world. We can't live in that world. We have a reality that we have to face. And in our realities, we all will encounter trials and circumstances that feel impossible for us because they are impossible for us. Yet the truth is, and the truth that's declared all over this book is that what is impossible for us is not impossible for him. That is what we see over and over and over again. There's nothing outrageously impossible for God. This very day, no matter what you are facing right in this moment, God can help you. Nothing is too hard for him. No need is too great that he cannot meet. No problem is too complicated that God cannot solve. No foe is too strong that God himself cannot conquer. And no prayer is too difficult that God can't answer. Nothing is impossible with God. How often we say that in the midst of our own struggles. And sometimes we say it to other people. Yet let's be honest, sometimes that phrase, nothing's impossible with God, can seem empty. It can seem condescending. It can sometimes even seem offensive. 
based on what we're going through. Yet God has a history of taking improbable people and leading them into impossible situations, all the while doing impossible things through them. Meaning that there is no situation without hope. There is no person beyond his reach. There is no darkness that his light can't penetrate. And the questions for us today are this. Do you find yourself doubting God when you face difficult situations? Are you often frustrated at God when things don't go your way? Do you often get mad at God for not giving you what you want? Is it hard for you to trust God with the challenges of your life? Have you convinced yourself that there must be certain things in your life that are impossible with God? I read this week that many years ago a pastor basically took every dictionary in his house and in his study and he cut out the word impossible. And here's what his explanation. He said, if the word impossible is not in God's dictionary, it shouldn't be in mine. If, If the word impossible isn't in God's language, it shouldn't be in ours. If the word impossible isn't in God himself, it shouldn't be in us. Yes, impossible things will enter your life and will enter my life without a doubt. But the the word impossible doesn't have to. Our God has a way of making the impossible possible. Our God has a way of making impossible things completed things, done things. So let's dive in this morning and hear the amazing claims concerning our God from the prophet Jeremiah and from God himself. So if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand as we honor God's word. We're going to read Jeremiah 32, 16 through 27 together. And it begins this way. After I had given the deed of purchase to Barak, the son of Neriah, I prayed to the Lord saying, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power, by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show steadfast love to thousands, but you repay the guilt of fathers to their children after them. O great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord of hosts, great in counsel and mighty indeed, whose eyes are open to all the ways of the children of man, rewarding each one according to his ways and according to the fruit of his deeds. You have shown signs and wonders in the land of Egypt and to this day in Israel and among all mankind and have made a name for yourself as as it is this day. You brought your people Israel out of the land of Egypt with signs and wonders, with a strong hand and outstretched arm and with great terror. And you gave them this land, which you swore to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they entered and took possession of it, but they did not obey your voice or walk in your law. They did nothing of all you commanded them to do. Therefore, you have made all this disaster come upon them. Behold, the siege mounds have come up to the city to take it. And because of sword and famine and pestilence, the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans who are fighting against it. What you spoke has come to pass, and behold, you see it. Yet you, O Lord God, have said to me, buy the field for money and get witnesses, though the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Let's pray. Father, we come before you. You are the God of the impossible. And Lord, you're not just the God who does the impossible. You're a God that calls us into the impossible. Today, I pray, God, that you would help us to see where you are calling us, to see what you are calling us to ask of you, and help us to 
follow you, to take that step of obedience, to call out to you, Lord, in faith. Just speak, O God, for we are listening. Holy Spirit, open our eyes that we may see wonderful things from your word. We just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Let me just say that premise again. Nothing is too hard for our God. Nothing. The Bible is clear that God is not limited in his ability to accomplish whatever purpose or whatever action is pleasing to him. Things that we would say are impossible with us are not impossible with God. God can do the impossible, but... Did you know that the Bible also tells us that there are some things that God cannot do? So the Bible says there are simply some things that God cannot do. Let me give you a few. God cannot sin. So God can't sin. God can't be tempted to sin, nor can God tempt anyone to sin. God cannot lie. The Bible says God is not a man that he could lie or a son of man that he could change his mind. God cannot be mocked. According to Galatians 6, God cannot deny himself. God cannot increase or decrease in his knowledge or in his power. I love this one. We just sang it. Our God cannot fail. He cannot fail. He doesn't know how to fail ever. God cannot change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. God cannot cease to exist as, as God Himself. He cannot cease to be God. And God cannot be pleased by us apart from faith, as Scripture tells us. So God can do whatever He wills, but God cannot act contrary to His own character or His own nature. Or to put it a different way, it is no limitation to perfection to say that perfection cannot be imperfect. There's, there's no limitation to perfection to say that perfection cannot be imperfect. And when we, when we declare that, that God can do the impossible, there is always someone who's waiting with a smirk on their face to go, well, if God can do everything, then can God make a, a, a circular triangle? Or can God make a rock so big that God himself can't pick it up? Because if God can't do that, then God doesn't have all power and God can't be God. And, and maybe those sound like legitimate questions to you. But they're just nonsense. I think of St. Augustine or Augustine, however you want to say it. He was talking with someone who was asking him a question. And he asked the question back. He said, do you know what God was doing before he created the heavens and the earth? And the person said, what? And Augustine said, he was making hell for people who ask stupid questions. <laughs> I mean, just think about that reality. Let, let that just um, sit on you for just a second. But here's the deal. God cannot do anything that would go against his character. And God cannot be limited or tricked by the stupid questions of finite humans. Amen. So we can't trick God by our stupid questions. So it can't be done. In the words of C.S. Lewis, he said, you can attribute all miracles to God, but you can never attribute nonsense to God. Amen. So just understand that. But just think of a few of the mighty and miraculous things that God did throughout the word. God made, created the universe out of nothing. More on that in just a minute. He turned Lot's wife into a pillar of salt. He split the Red Sea so the Israelites could walk through on dry ground. He brought manna from heaven. He brought water out of a rock. He caused his servants to walk unhindered through fire as he walked with them. He shut the mouths of lions as Daniel was in the lion's den. He caused a virgin to conceive and have a child. He cleansed lepers. He healed the lame. 
He made the blind to see. He made the deaf to hear. He fed 5,000 men plus women and children with just a few loaves and fish. He raised Lazarus from the dead, and he raised his own self from the dead because it was impossible that the grave could hold him. And all of those impossibilities bring us to today's passage, which, as we just read, it probably doesn't seem that big of a deal to us. But let me just explain it. For 40 years, the prophet Jeremiah had preached to the people of Jerusalem, saying that because of your disobedience, God is going to destroy Jerusalem. God is going to send another army to come and take us away. And now, finally, the Babylonians were coming. God was keeping his word. The Babylonians were overrunning the city of Jerusalem. In the midst of the Babylonians overrunning Jerusalem, God told Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I have a mission for you. Go by land in Jerusalem. And not only buy land, have the deed transferred to you, and do it all in front of witnesses. And of course, this would have been a strange purchase for anyone to make during this time, and even a stranger request for God to ask. Jerusalem was being destroyed. The inhabitants of Jerusalem, many of them had already been taken to Babylon. Many of them had already been killed. Others had been taken and spread throughout the world. But for Jeremiah, it was enough. that That's what God told him to do. Therefore, he obeyed immediately but after he obeyed immediately and bought this ground questions began to fill his mind such as did i do the wrong thing um what purpose is there for buying this land what what future is there and in the midst of all of these questions jeremiah prayed and he reasoned this way ah lord god you alone can make this plot of ground useful again you alone, God, can rid this land of the Babylonians and all of its oppressors. God, you alone can do impossible things because you made the heavens and the earth with your great power and with your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. And I love this. If you read this again, the prayer of Jeremiah. Jeremiah prayed to God, and here's the beautiful thing. He never asked God for anything. He prayed and he never asked God for anything. His prayer was this. God, let me just come to you and just re remind myself, God, who you are and what you've done. And when Jeremiah got done praying, God interrupted and God said, Jeremiah, just so you know, you're exactly right. There's nothing I cannot do. And this might not feel like an impossibility for us, but it certainly felt like an impossibility for Jeremiah. So much so that Jeremiah said, God, nothing is impossible for you. So what I want to do this morning in the time that we have left, I want to lay two truths before us today that I pray that God would use to do something great in and through our lives and through the life of this, his church. The first truth is this. God, in his mercy, leads us into the impossible. God, in his mercy, leads us into the impossible. The Bible is filled with account after account of men and women who found their destiny in the perfect will of God by doing things that were impossible for them to do on their own. Think of Noah and his impossible project of building an ark but also saving mankind. Think of Abraham and his impossible passage through the Red Sea but also leading the stubborn, rebellious Israelites. Think of Abraham and his impossible promise, that God gave him a promise when he was 75 years old, no children, you're going to be the father of a great nation. And he would not have a son with Sarah until he was 100 and she was 90. Or think about Mary and her impossible pregnancy. Then think of when Jesus came on the scene. Jesus asked others for the impossible. 
In Matthew 9, Jesus told a man who was paralyzed, get up, take up your mat, and go home. In Matthew 12, Jesus asked a man with a withered hand to stretch out your hand, and he did. In Matthew 14, Jesus commanded his disciples, when they are there in the midst of a crowd of probably 20,000, Jesus says, you give them something to eat. And then in Matthew 28, Jesus commanded his disciples to go into all the world and make disciples. The list of people in the Bible whom God called to do amazing things goes on and on and on. Throughout history, God has always chosen ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Some were men, others were women. Some were young, others were old. Some were well-educated, others were almost illiterate. But they all had one thing in common. They had been called by God to be a part of something that was greater than themselves. Called by something to be a part of by God to be a part of something greater than themselves. And because of their willingness to simply yield themselves to the one that had created them and allow his purposes to be revealed in their lives, God used them in phenomenal ways. One author put it this way, it isn't silver vessels that he's asking for. It's not gold vessels that he needs. He's looking for yielded vessels. God is looking for yielded vessels. As Morgan just prayed for jars of clay, yielded vessels. You say, God, however you want to use this cracked jar. God, I'm just a cracked jar of clay. And however you want to use me and fill me up and pour me out, God, you do it. And it seems that one of the most common characteristics of God's will is that God calls us into the impossible where we don't have the strength so that we will come to rely on his strength. One of my favorite books from many, many, many years ago was a book called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. And in this book, Henry Blackaby writes these words. I think we're going to try to put it on the screen. He says this, Some people say, God will never ask me to do something I can't do. I have come to the place in my life, he says, that if the assignment I sense God has given me is something that I know I can handle, I know it's probably not from God. The kind of assignment that God gives in the Bible are always God-sized. They're always beyond what people can do because he wants to demonstrate his nature, his strength, his provision, his kindness to his people and to a watching world. And he says this, this is the only way the world will come to know him. And then Blackaby goes on to say this, what our world often is seeing in our day is devoted, committed Christians serving God, but they never see God. They do not see anything happening that can only be explained in terms of the activity of God. Why? Because the church isn't attempting anything that only God can do. We're only attempting things that we can do in our power and our strength, and we're not attempting what only God can do. Brothers and sisters, what are we attempting in our lives or in the life of the church that will fail unless God shows up and proves himself to be faithful? What are we attempting in our lives that will only happen if God shows up and does it? And we can say, it wasn't me. There's, I had zero to do with this. It was all God. Listen, there are times when God orders our circumstances in such a way that from a human standpoint, he promises, or his promises, excuse me, are impossible for us to fulfill. That we can't do it. And if you're a seasoned 
If you're in a season right now like that where God has placed before you impossible circumstances, no matter how difficult it might seem or how unfair it might seem, hear this. God is being incredibly kind to you. If God is taking you into a season where impossibilities are all around you and you don't know the way out, God is being kind to you. Now, why would I say that? Here's why I would say that, because it is in such seasons like that and only in seasons like that that we come out knowing that there is nothing impossible for our God. It is only when you and I have experienced it, brothers and sisters, that we can say nothing is impossible with him. Here is what he has done. Here is who he is. He is the God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did then, he will do now. And he will do in the future for us. So God, in his mercy, leads us into the impossible. But then secondly, God, in his might, accomplishes the impossible. God, in his might, in his power, accomplishes the impossible. You see on the screen... Two verses there. Verse 17, you've already heard it. Jeremiah said, Ah, Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth. By your great power, by your outstretched arm, nothing is too difficult or nothing is too hard for you. And then in verses 26 and 27, God says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? If God can create the universe, creating everything out of nothing, then God can do the impossible in your life and God can do the impossible in my life. God loves to show himself strong and to be glorified by doing what the world considers to be impossible. And there are six accounts in the Bible where the Bible or God himself declares that nothing is too difficult for him. Let me just walk you through those real quick. The first is when God confronts Abraham and Sarah about Sarah's unbelief. So God had promised Abraham and Sarah a son. And of course, Abraham was 99, Sarah was 89, no child. God shows up and says, Abraham, this time next year you will have a son. Sarah's listening in a tent and Sarah starts laughing. And God says, hang on a, hang on a minute, Sarah. Let's have a conversation Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Sarah heard the promise of God, laughed at the promise of God, and then when God called her out on it, Sarah says, no, God, I wasn't laughing at you. Somebody said something funny in the tent, and I was laughing at at them. It wasn't you, God. To make matters worse, God says, no, no, you're going to have a son this time next year, and you're going to call his name Isaac, which means laughter. Now, some scholars say this, that God made or, or commanded Abraham and Sarah to call their son Isaac, call him laughter as judgment. That they would always remember in their son that they laughed at God. Now that might be true, but I think it's more likely that it, it refers to what God does in our hearts and in our lives when we look back upon his goodness, upon his mercy, upon what he has done. And when we see what God has done in our lives, we laugh with joy, knowing God, only you could have done that. And that is exactly what Abraham and Sarah got. Only we laugh because God, only you can do that. But in the second way it's used, it's used in relation to God's purpose is being fulfilled. When we get to the book of Job, Job experienced such trials and difficulties and testing. Yet at the end of Job, in Job 42, Job says, God, I know that you can do everything. 
You can do anything, God, and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. What are you presently in this moment, in this season, walking through? What trial or time of testing are you facing? Do you believe that God can do anything? Do you believe that nothing can prevent God's purposes from being fulfilled in your life? Listen, it's one thing to believe that God can do everything when everything is going well in my life. It's one thing for me to believe that God can do everything when God is doing exactly what I want him to do in this season. But when those things stop and everything begins to go contrary to, way, to the way I want it to be, or in the example of Job, you lose everything. Can you still trust the plans and purposes of God then? When it seems like you've lost everything, can you still say, God, you are a God who will work all things together for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. You are still that God. And surely goodness and your mercy are following me all the days of my life, even right now. Do we do that? The third and fourth way these impossibles use is right here in Jeremiah 32. In verse 17, Jeremiah says, God, you can do the impossible because you created the earth. Therefore, you can do all things. And then in verse 27, God says, is anything too hard for me? But God puts it in the context, get this, of judgment. So God is even saying, I can use judgment to bring about my purposes. Or a different way, God is saying, I can even use your disobedience to bring about my purposes. Your, your disobedience won't stop my purposes. Then the fifth way it's used in Scripture is in dealing with Mary's astonishment that she would give birth to the Son of God. Gabriel comes to her and says, Favored woman, you're going to have a child. And Mary says, how can this be? I am a virgin. I've never known a man. And Gabriel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. But then Gabriel says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Nothing. Nothing shall be impossible. And in the sixth way that this phrase or this picture is used is with the impossibility of man's salvation found in Matthew 19. We read it this week. In Matthew 19, a rich young ruler approaches Jesus and says, Good teacher, what, what must I do to receive eternal life? And Jesus says, Why do you call me good? There's only one that's good. And he said, Well, what must I do? And Jesus, of course, gives him the commandments related to how we treat other people. And because, because Jesus never put it in context of his relationship with God, he was like, Yeah, I've done all that. Sure, yeah, I've kept all those. What am I still lacking? And God says, well, instead of, instead of comparing you with your relationship with other people, let's compare you with God. Let, let's focus on God now. Let, let's focus on the God of your life, which is money. Let's go sell everything and follow me. And the rich young ruler is the only person who came to Jesus and walked away in worse condition than when he came. He walked away in worse condition than when he came. And his disciples show up, and Jesus said, listen, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples, in their mindset, in that day, if you were rich, it means God had blessed you. So they were thinking, man, if a blessed person can't get saved and can't enter the kingdom of God, then who can? And they say, who can be saved? And Jesus said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Meaning, in its original context, the phrase, with God, all things are possible, was applied to the issue of salvation. You see, we live in a world, brothers and sisters, where we don't believe salvation is impossible. We don't believe that. 
We don't come before God believing that we are so sick and sinful and God is so holy that there's no way we can ever be right before him. We come before God saying, he's okay, I'm okay, we can meet in the middle, and I'm good, he's good, and eventually I'll get there. And that's how we, we kind of confirm it. There's, think about this. Many people in our salvation process, we never dealt with the, the, the issue of how can a sinful being like me ever enter into the presence of God? It was more, how can I just die one day and go to heaven? And the point is this, brothers and sisters, it's impossible for us to do anything to earn salvation. There is salvation. There's no salvation, no possibility of salvation in your hands, in your works, in your doing. The only way you can be saved is in his hands, his work, and his doing. And praise be to God, it has been finished. It has been finished. He has done. Jesus has done everything that we need to be done for our salvation. And the point that we have to come to is that we can't hijack this power in salvation or any other matter. It is from God. It is through God alone. And God is not content, brothers and sisters, for us just to go, well, yeah, I know nothing is impossible with God. It's in the Bible. God is not content with that. God wants us to experience that in our lives. It's not enough just to go, yeah, it's in here somewhere. God wants us to be in a place where we can say, it's not just in here, it's in here. God has walked me through the impossible. God has done the impossible in my life, first of all, in saving me, but also in using me. And if we've been able to see that, God wants us to continually experience the truth in our lives, to be overwhelmed by the joy of God doing the impossible in us. Listen, is there something that God has promised you that feels impossible? It may be so outlandish that if you tell other people, they'll laugh at you. Just as Sarah laughed at God. And yet God's answer to her is my same answer to anyone who will laugh at me. Is there anything too hard for God? Is there anything too hard for him? Let me put it this way. No need is too great for God to provide. No sadness is too heavy that God can't comfort you in it. No problem is too messy, too entwined that God cannot untangle. No circumstance is too ugly that God can't come and redeem no problem is too difficult that God can't give you wisdom in it. No temptation is too strong that God can't bring you and give you deliverance. No relationship is too broken that God can't come and reconcile. No sin is too horrible that God can't forgive. He can forgive. No wound is too deep that God, for God to heal. No sin cycle is too strong that, for God to break. And no person is too far gone for God to save. It is the beauty of the word. Do you know that nothing is impossible for God? Do you know that? Think about your life in this moment. What are you asking God for? What are you asking God to do that is impossible without him? Are, are we praying like that? Are you praying like that? Maybe you've been praying for something or someone for so long. And you are being tempted to give up. You're being tempted just to stop. Let me say this this morning. By the authority of this word, do not throw in the towel on the God of the impossible. Do not throw in the towel on the God of the impossible. Oh, that we would keep trusting him and believing him. Nothing is impossible with him. Whose salvation are you praying for right now? What sin cycle are you in need of freedom from? What seems too big or too hard 
for you. I want to end this morning two ways. First of all, in looking at the impossibility of salvation. Maybe you're here today and you have never been saved. And here's the reality. We look at the Bible and we say, what's the greatest miracle in the Bible? And it's easy to go, well, God creating everything out of nothing. That's got to be up there, right? And we would go, yeah, that is great. And that is definitely in the top two. But it's not number one. For the greatest miracle in all the Bible is the fact that God has saved wretched sinners like us. And we are, if you have been saved, brothers and sisters, you are a walking miracle. Because God has taken what was dead and trespasses and sins, and God has brought you to life. And if you have never received that life in Christ, may today be the day of salvation for you. Our God saves. But secondly, I want to just lay before us, just in this moment, some, some of our own impossibilities. What impossibilities are weighing upon you right now? What impossibilities are consuming you? Is God able? When you walked in, hopefully some of you, most of you might have received a bulletin. If you did, I want you to open that up and get this card out. It's called a Impossible Prayer Card. If you did not get a card, I have my, my guys up here. I'm going to ask them to stand up. If you would like a card, you can raise your hand, and they will give you one right now as I speak. And here's what I want you to do. On the front of this card, it says, Impossible Prayer Card. Is anything too hard for the Lord? It answers the question, nothing is too hard for you. And on the back, and I'll read this in just a second, but it, here is the deal. Here is the invitation for you. I want to invite everyone in this room, even those watching online today, to join me in a journey. Even though I'm asking you to join me in a journey, I know not everyone is going to take this journey. And it's sad for me to say that. And in saying it, you're going to be the one missing out. But I want to invite all of us to come before the Lord in a fresh and a new way, even in this moment, and believe him for the impossible. To even say, God, I'm tired of doing things in my own strength, in my own ability. I'm tired of failing, God, and you getting, you getting blamed for my failures. And instead, God, I want to see what you're able to accomplish in my life and through my life. God, I want to be a part of something that can only be explained by your presence and by your power. God, I want to see your power in my weakness. God, I want to see your power in my lack. God, I want to see your power and display in your church. So maybe your impossibility today is the salvation of a loved one or a friend. Maybe your impossibility is a sin that you just cannot get out of, a sin cycle that you're caught up in, guilt that you're carrying. Maybe your impossibility is a relationship that seems all but severed, and there's no way of it ever being made whole again. Here's the question today. Will you believe God for the impossible, and will you ask God to do the impossible? Will you believe God for the impossible, and will you ask him to do the impossible? On the back of this card, it says this, because there is nothing impossible for our God, we want to give ourselves to asking of God what only God can do. This year, 2023, I am asking God to what? And here's what I'm, I'm asking of you. Maybe you would fill this card out asking God for something impossible, and you just say, this is going to be my prayer, and I'm going to put it in my Bible, and I'm going to pray this every day, and if you do that, that's, that's good. And I, I, I pray that you would keep praying this, but I'm going to go a step further and ask, and we have some already on, up here and hopefully a lot more are going to come. But I would ask you to take time to write something down and come up to this altar and leave it. 
You don't have to put your name on it. I don't, I don't want your name on it. I want you just to put it here. And what's going to happen is every week, there's going to be some here in the church, we're going to be praying for these as you are praying for these. And whenever the word of the year kind of has, has moved, we're going to have this table, and we're going to have these cards on that table. And here's what we're going to believe. There are going to be times this year where we are going to walk up, and we're going to pick out our card, and we're going to write over our card, prayer answered, the day that was answered, and we are going to all rejoice in the fact that our God hears us. And he answers us when we call out to him because that is what our good and gracious and loving God does. He hears, he answers, and he does the impossible so that he will receive the glory. Don't we want him to receive the glory? Don't we want him to do things that only he can do? May God do that this year in the lives of his people. And let me end today with the words of A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite thinkers, one of my favorite writers. He says this, God is looking for those with whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things that we can do by ourselves. God is looking for those by which he can do the impossible. Let's stop, let's stop planning things that we can do on our own. And let's step out on faith believing what God can do. And I believe this. If we step out on faith believing what God can do, faith still pleases him. So I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to ask the praise team to come forward. We're entering this time of invitation and consecration. If you want to sing along, you sing along. If you want to sit down and fill out your card, you do that. If you want to bring your card up, lay on the altar and begin to pray now, you do that. Whatever God is calling you to do in this moment. And let us pray. God, you are the God of the impossible. You are the God who takes impossible things and makes them completed things, done things by which you bring glory and honor to yourself in and through them. God, help us to be a people who trust you for the impossible. God, forgive us, Lord, for where we have depended on our own strength, our own power, or where we have as a church only done things that we can do in our own strength, our own power, and our own ability. Forgive us, Lord, and help us to step out in faith, to follow you, trusting you, Lord to see things accomplished that only you can get the credit for. To see you accomplish things that we can never say, yeah, we did that, because nobody would believe us. The only answer will be that is what our God did as we trusted him and believed him and he worked. God, we want that. And God, not only do we want that, Lord, you want that. So do that, God, in our lives, in the life of this, your church, God. Have your way. In Jesus' name.